In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In William Young's book, The Shack, his protagonist, Mackenzie, is a man who for four years has suffered in what he calls the great sadness. It is a sadness that he can pinpoint to the day his daughter at the age of seven had been murdered while he was saving the life of one of his drowning children. And so for four years, in something that is a mixture of grief and anger and guilt, he had found himself going deeper and deeper into isolation and further and further away from family and from God. And this continued until one day he received this mysterious letter in the mail. No return address, simply addressed to him, inviting him back to the site of his daughter's murder. And the letter was simply signed, Papa. There was something about that letter that piqued his interest not knowing who would be there, whether her murderer would be there, whether the police, no idea, but something said he needed to go. And so he went and traveled the hours or two, traveled to the place he needed to go, walked the trail to the shack, and there found himself at what appeared to be just an old, empty hunting shack. It appeared abandoned until he opened the door. And as he walked in, what he soon discovered is he'd walked into the divine trinity itself. Papa, Jesus, and Saranya, the Holy Spirit. And for weeks' time with them, they each spent time talking and getting to know him. And at the climax of his experience, Jesus brings him to an old empty cave and signals him to go into the darkness and there in the dimly lit cave he realizes that it is empty except for one small chair that faced a large table and a large high back chair behind it he realizes where he is he has been brought into the cave and put before the judgment seat. And as Saranya walks into the cave and makes herself known to him, he is filled with sudden fear, believing that he is about to be judged by God. He asks, am I dead? And the answer is no. And finally, Saranya says, it is not you who are to be judged. Come and sit here in the judge's seat, for you have spent your life judging others and judging God. And now is your time to declare your verdict upon God, God's self. Mac is overcome with fear, and he tries to control his thoughts, but they keep racing through him, and every thought he has, Saranya can hear until finally his defenses are finally broken down, 
and out he spews forth his declaration of God's guilt from his perspective. Why was God guilty? Because God was not there. God, he said, is guilty because he did not save his daughter. God is guilty because of the abuse he suffered at the, at the hands of his father. And as his anger, his hurt, and his betrayal that he felt from God came forward and he had to acknowledge it, the darkness of the cave begins to lighten. Because now as he faces his own anger and allows himself to truly be angry and to wrestle with God and to hear God's side of the argument and perspective, Mackenzie is finally able to let go and to find that, as Isaiah says, God's ways are not our ways, nor are our ways God's ways. And that in God's true wisdom and breath, God was there. I wasn't surprised after I read The Shack how popular it was way back when it first was published. Published and sold billions of copies throughout the United States and Canada, and then again in movie form. And the reason I believe it was so popular is because Mackenzie's struggle and anger with God resonates with each and every one of us because at some point in our journey of faith we hit that crossroad when suddenly the god of our innocence is no longer as simple as we had been told and the god of simplicity becomes the god of complexity and our faith now has to find a way to wrestle with the complexity of who God is and the complexity of this world that often betrays us until somehow we can find peace and understanding of the fullness of God's wisdom. Young wasn't the first person to write about our struggling and wrestling with God. All we have to do is look at today's Old Testament reading. And here we hear the story of Jacob wrestling with God at Peniel. Now, before we move further, we have to know a little bit about Jacob's backstory. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac. He is the twin of Esau. And even before he was born, he and Esau battled over who would be first in line of the inheritance of his father. Wrestling so much so in the womb that before they were born, it is Esau's foot that sticks out of the womb, and then a string is tied around it by the nursemaid to mark him as the firstborn. But Jacob was never pleased with that. He was crafty and sly, and not necessarily a man of good character. He somehow became his mother's favorite. And so as Isaac goes to his deathbed, 
his mother disguises Jacob and brings him to his father, pretending that he is Esau, to steal literally Isaac's blessing of his son, eliminating Esau from his inheritance. Now, one would think that Jacob would have at least confronted his brother and lauded over what he had done, but instead he ran to avoid the confrontation with his brother and traveled through the wilderness, developing his flocks, his family, his tribe. And as our story begins today, he is now at the edge, looking over, able to see his brother's people off in the distance, knowing that he now had to move in and own that blessing which he stole. Does he want it? Is he willing to follow and live into the will of God, to take on the responsibility of now being the father of the children of Abraham, the patriarch? And so he goes off to be alone, and there he wrestles through the night. Although he wrestles with the angel who is God, I believe he also wrestles with his own conscience, his own desires, and wrestles back and forth with God until, no, until morning comes when both are totally exhausted and he can no longer keep going. And finally they say, enough. From God's perspective, he is worthy to move forward. From Jacob's perspective, he has given his all and now and in his tiredness is ready to accept the blessing of God, what has been ordained for him, and to move forward to take his place as the patriarch. But it doesn't happen until after he has asked for God's blessing. Ordain this moment, he says, basically. Bless me as the patriarch. And with that blessing comes a renaming. No longer Jacob, but Israel. One who has striven with God and lived. Think about the name of God's chosen people from that point on, the Israelites, a people of God who have wrestled with God and have moved forward and lived in God's will and grace. Part of the faith journey is the willingness to wrestle with ourselves and with God. I know it may be counter to what we've been told so much in our lives. No, you can't be angry with God, because God knows best. And all those messages we've had, but the only way for our faith to move from that of our childhood to that of adulthood is by allowing ourselves to enter into the fray with God and to do battle until our last defense is broken down and we're finally willing to surrender to the will of God itself in our lives. And when we get to that moment in faith and are willing to push forward with God's will and not our will, then oftentimes we find the battles of life that much easier as we move with God and not against God. 
in Dante's Divine Comedy, he talks about this struggle in a very different way. The pilgrim who comes to the crossroads between his will and God's will now must choose the path he's going to take. And the journey he takes does not begin at the gates of paradise. It does not begin at the gates of purgatory, but begins at the gates of hell itself. And throughout the Divine Comedy, the pathway that finally brings you to paradise must first bring you through the depths of hell to acknowledge our own sinfulness, our own depravity, and then finally out of the depths of hell into purgatory, where we go layer by layer, level by level, letting go of each of our vices at the point in which that we finally find enough trust in God that we know that we can let go of that vice and accept the virtue that is on the other side of it. And it is not until we put our full trust in God that the pilgrim is actually able to enter into paradise itself. Faith is not just about walking in harmony with God. It's about struggling with ourselves about being willing, willing to enter into the struggle of our will and God's will, and willing to persevere as Jacob does until we are so tired and our defense is so worn down that at last we're willing to accept the will of God in our life and to walk with God into the dream that God has given us. And I think the problem for so many of us is that we often enter into the struggle. And when that struggle begins, we make the decision, it's not worth it. It's too much for us. We want to go back. But there is no going back. There is only going forward. And for those of us like Jacob, for those of us like Mac who are finally willing to walk into our own darkness and struggle with that and with the light of God at the same time and finally open ourselves to the will of God, that is when the darkness that surrounds us becomes lighter, our burdens lessen, and our journey to paradise becomes easier. Amen.